All right. Go. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to part two of the episode on uh, dis disciplinary policy from major misconducts to uh, class one and class two misconducts and how they affect the uh, long-term prisoners who have been incarcerated more than 20 years. And, um, and by the way, this is uh, Prison Talk with Jamie Mead and... Emma Charleston. But you figured that out already, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but uh, I, did, I did, since our last phone call, I did ask a couple guys if they remembered when the policy was enacted or put into place. Yeah. And they all said about 2010. So I might have been wrong with the 2007, but the point is, it does it does have a, a, a serious effect on those of us that have been incarcerated for a long period of time. Yeah. So regardless of the, the date it was put in place, um, the point the that point remains is, is a valid. <laughs> yeah, the valid. It's a very valid mm. um, issue. Do you think just so before just there, before you get into it, do you think um, this like so this has obviously been a thing since it was put into action, put into place. So do you think everyone that's gone for parole or put commutations in since 2010, uh, do you think that everyone has who, have, who has done so may have actually been inadvertently thwarted by this change and it, and it not, being, not being known? Um, yes, that is a possibility. Mm. That, that is a, a possibility and that's the possibility that we're raising, you know, that I'm raising here on this uh, podcast because... Mm. You know, if if the parole, if I file a commutation, mm. well, let's go to lifers. Mm. Uh, first degree lifers and second degree lifers are seen by the parole board on a, what is called a lifer review every five years. Yeah. And they will send down our names and they will ask um, the prison counselors to do what is called a lifer review report. Mm -hmm. And that is also called a parole eligibility report for those who are not lifers. Yeah. And when they write this report, they list on there the number. It, the sentence says how many misconducts, major misconducts slash class ones mm. have the prisoner, prisoner been issued since incarceration. Yeah. So if you have major misconducts, they list that total number. Yeah. But the key is slash class one. Yeah. So they are lumping, they don't distinguish what were major misconducts or they just put a number there. Yeah. So that number represents how many times you've been to segregation in the eyes of a new parole board. So that would suggest that. though, Jamie, would it not, that a class one, there is a, like what you're saying is there is a difference between a major misconduct and a class one or there's not? Yes, there on some major misconducts had two parts to it, which was, only distinguishable on the misconduct report itself. Okay. And that was whether it was a bondable or non-bondable. Okay, yeah. Class ones are all non-bondable. There mm -hmm. is no distinguishment. Yeah, okay. It is It is clearly non-bondable. Mm. There is no ifs, ands, buts about it. Mm. <clears throat> so that is that is a you know concern because yeah. a new parole board member that has just been on there for the last five years does May not, not be aware that. about that. Yeah, they don't know. So they're only seeing that you have, they don't even know if it's a major misconduct they're talking about or yeah. if it's all class 
concerned. So he may make the decision, I don't want to interview this guy who's serving life because he has 25 major misconducts. Yeah. Yeah, well, is, and, so and then, what would you do? How would you find out if that was a thing? And what would you do about that? Is there something you can do about that? Well, the original intent that what I read from Richard Stapleton's article was mm-hmm. when he drafted this policy, because he worked with the hearings um, division of the Michigan Department of Corrections, yeah. with hearing and policy division. When he drafted this policy, he had the intent that major misconducts would eventually be distinguished, which were, you know, which would be class ones or class twos eventually. So people wouldn't be held accountable for all major misconducts being looked at as class ones. And, but this never happened. He's no longer with the department. And we have a new parole board that, you know, and, and one thing with the Michigan Department of Corrections, the Michigan Parole Board, mm. they're on an island of their own. Yeah. They're, they are accountable to no one. Yeah. They could actually tell you in a parole board hearing mm. that they don't like you. They'll never let you out just because they don't like your personality. And yeah. there's nothing you can do. You could sue them. Yeah. But there's, because we're not allowed to be represented by an attorney mm. at a parole board hearing. Michigan created a statute that does not even allow an attorney to represent a prisoner at a parole board hearing. What now, was the logic? What was the logic behind that? Um, because attorneys are considered officers of the court. Yeah. And being officers of the court, they are credible. So if yeah. a, an attorney went in to court and said, I was present and I'm testifying under oath that the parole board member just totally misrepresented the facts totally lied to my client and totally told him that he's not going to do anything because he don't like his character. Yeah. The attorney would be listened to. Yeah. But, but since we have that, but without that, now the pro board can do as it wishes. But my point, they want. my point in that question was what was Michigan's logical explanation for that? Did you say it was a statute? Cause I'm sure they didn't say, they want, but I'm sure they, they didn't say the that. Parole board the parole board does not follow policy. So mm-hmm. it was a protection of the parole board mm-hmm. so they could grant or deny parole at any time without any um, consequences. Yeah. I'm still, so, I still, that's still, I'm not satisfied with that answer. I'm going to have to Google, I'm going to have to Google and find out. Because surely they, they can't get away with passing a statute like that well, if they don't have a rational they, explanation. Well, they got it. They, Michigan passed a statute, actually, doesn't it, it, it forbids a prisoner from appealing in the court a parole board decision. Why? We can't even appeal, but the victim or victim's family can ask the prosecutor to appeal to overturn a grant of a, a, a yeah. parole. Yeah. So they give a right to the victim's family or yeah. victim, but they take away the right to appeal yeah. to a, a a prisoner. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a tough one because half of me sort of says, "Oh well," but I know what you. I do know what you're saying there. But what's what's gonna like? Surely, even if you appeal um, a negative decision on a parole, then you know they're not gonna necessarily say, "Oh, oops, we're wrong." Out you go. Anyway, are they? Yeah. I think yeah. anyway. I just think that's ridiculous. Right. Get to yeah. stay stay on track. <laughs>
Well, that's yeah. not logical. I mean, if he yeah. had received life without parole as well, I don't think anyone would even bat an eyelid, though, to be fair, if, like, yeah. if, if he and you both received. Because that was the whole point of the mandatory minimums stuff anyway, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, you both are responsible equally. Yeah. But there was, there was no equity in that sense. No. But I do want to keep this, this uh, episode to two parts. All right. So you think we finished it? We accomplished our goal without getting off track too Probably far? not. Probably All not. Right. You're talking to me, and we always get off track when you're talking to me. All right. <laughs> but we thank you for joining us during this episode of Prison Talk, and we hope you join us again for the next one. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.